Our priest is a dying man. The dying men, women, youth. And I will preach as though I will never preach again. So God, God has his reasons for why he saves us in stages. Sanctifies us slowly, makes us fill up every day at his pump. Lest we forget where the gas comes from. Welcome to a podcast of Follow Me to Heaven. Where I get Follow Me to Heaven is actually in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, where Paul says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So that's where I get the idea of Follow Me to Heaven. So with this, this kind of podcast is going to be a podcast filled with Bible study filled with knowledge and truth uh, because the way I do Bible studies is um, expositionally. That means verse by verse, we're going to dig through, take it apart, see what the words are saying to get the full broad context um, of what God has laid out before us in whatever text. But one text that actually stuck out to me was Ephesians. I really love Ephesians, and it's a beautiful letter. And um, let me just tell you briefly a little bit about it. Obviously, it begins uh, with Paul saying, Paul. Uh, So that basically gives the understanding that it's a Pauline letter. And actually, Ephesians is pretty interesting because it's, very sermon-like, right? It ha- it's filled with prayers. It's filled with doxology. But also, um, we see evidence that Paul is the author because in verse 1 of chapter 1, it begins with Paul. And also in chapter 3, verse 1, Paul mentions that he is a uh, prisoner of Christ. And he mentions his name again. So we get this understanding, not only the place he was in when he wrote the letter, which was in prison, but also who wrote the letter, which was Paul. So, and basically the main theme is basically expressed as a mystery that was revealed to us who believe. So uh, this isn't a mystery that we don't know anymore, or we still don't know. We are waiting for this mystery to be revealed. No, it was actually revealed in Christ. So all of us who are in Christ are revealed this mystery. Um, so with that, we, we understand that the truth behind all of this, the truth that Paul wants to convey in Ephesians is that we are all one in Christ, the Jews and the Gentiles. Um, and that is very important because many people uh, still believe that the Jews are the chosen people of God. And uh, on the flip side, many are saying that, no, there's only a certain group of people that are still gods. And actually, the Jews are not the true Jews. Um, and then we get a mixture of all kinds of stuff. But when we start doing that, we get away from the text. That is why I want to do a, a certain style of 
Bible study where it's very inductive, very um, looking at the words and seeing what has been written. Um, and that is why I like the ESV. The ESV is very word for word. Um, it's not phrase for phrase or thought for thought. Um, it's closer to word for word. So when you do these kinds of studies, ESV is a really good translation to use. Um, the KJV is good, but one problem is we don't speak King James anymore. So uh, that makes it very difficult to understand. Uh, the NASB is really good. The CSB is uh, another good translation. Um, but what stuck out to me was the ESV. I really loved it. I liked it. And um, I still use it. So with that said, let's go ahead and get started. Um, we're going to be in Ephesians. Ephesians. And obviously we're going to start off in chapter 1, verse 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, and uh, I'll just go ahead and read it, and I'll read from verses 1 through 14, and then we'll dig in. We're going to actually just look at the first two verses uh, in this episode, so let's begin. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be a holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons, through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance that has been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were first the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. There's a lot there. And at first I actually wanted to get through verses 1 through 14 in one episode, but I don't think that would be possible, um, especially if we're doing a kind of study uh, like I will be doing. But uh, let's go ahead and go back to verse 1 and uh, just dig through it and see what uh, it says. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. All right, so we get the intro, right? We get Paul, 
So here we're given the author's name as if he is pinning his autograph on this letter in saying, I wrote this, <clears throat> right? And if you continue reading later, Paul gives an apostle of Christ, Jesus. So not only do we get, I wrote this, but we also get, therefore, listen, right? So Paul now tells us that he doesn't identify with just anyone but he tells the church of Ephesus, or the churches in Ephesus, he is an apostle of Christ Jesus. In order to be an apostle, you have to be appointed by God to serve in that special position. And not only that, you must be a witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, that is what's vitally important. Many people uh, there's many ministers out there who call themselves apostles, but that is just not true. Um, according to Scripture and the understanding of what the Word of God says, we know that that position of apostleship is given by Christ Himself. He appoints those, and not only that, this is done in those who've seen the resurrection of Christ, who's walked with Christ. Um in that time, apostles do not exist now. Um, and also Paul was given the ministry to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, and that was his passion. And that's what's going on here, not only in Ephesus, but in many other letters. He's reaching out to the Gentiles. And even in Galatians, he comes back to them really quickly and tells them how he's astonished how quickly they deserted the gospel that was preached to them. So Paul is very earnest, passionate about this gospel because this is the same gospel that transformed Paul, right? We know the story of Saul, right, on the road of Damascus. And then uh, Jesus meets him and changes him so drastically that there's nothing else that Paul can do but obey the commands of Christ, and now he is breaking his back to reach out to all the other believers, um, and that's what's going on in this letter, that he is reaching out and letting them know that we are all one in Christ, not only the Jews, but also the Gentiles. Um, so yeah, so that's why we get Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Now, what makes that so important? Well, the next portion, it says, by the will of God. So, we get Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. So, where does Paul get his ability to make such statements as authoritative? So, this is what gives him authority to say what he is going to say. Well, it's by the will of God that he's an apostle of Jesus Christ, and his name is Paul. That's basically reading that verse backwards, just reading by the will of God, an apostle of Christ Jesus, Paul. So now we get this understanding, this his authorship being authenticated, not only that, but also authoritative, meaning what he's about to say holds truth. And there's a letter that he wrote to the Church of Rome where he says, I am telling the truth. I am not lying. And then he starts talking about him wishing that all of those 
that are his kinsmen of the flesh would be saved. But he understands that that is not so. God chooses some, not all. So Paul is really out there. He prays for the for the Jews, for his kinsmen of the flesh, but he understands that he is an apostle of the Gentiles. His main mission was to preach the gospel to those who have not heard the gospel, to those who are Gentiles or the Greeks, you could say. So who is receiving this letter or who is this letter for? Well, let's keep reading verse 2. Or actually, no, we're still in verse 1. Sorry. It says, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. So, who is this letter for? To the saints, right? It says, to the saints. And understand, like, saints are people who have been set apart from the world to now identify as God's people. So, God's elect, God's chosen ones, right? All of those who have been born again, it says in the New Testament, it makes a reference to identify the saints as the ones who have been born again. So, those of you listening, if you have been born again, you are a saint in Christ. Uh, Now, that doesn't mean that we're sinless and we don't sin anymore, but that is to identify us as being in Christ, as being born again. Now, we should strive uh, to be saintly, knowing that we're not going to achieve that until the Lord returns. Uh, That's vitally important, but our desires have changed when we were born again. Now we desire to do the things that God wants us to do, and we hate the things God hates. That is the idea, the understanding of being born again. This is one of those, um, let's say we're struggling if we are a believer or not. Well, one of those is, do you love God? Do you desire to do good? Do you desire to please the Lord? Do you desire forgiveness? Um, All these desires are rooted in... uh, the truth of who Christ is, because Jesus says, all who comes to me, I will never cast out. There is not going to be an instant when Jesus is going to cast us out of the kingdom and say, nope, no more, you're not allowed. No, that's not true. Us who have been born again will remain that way, and the Holy Spirit will see to it that we will be convicted of our sins But that should bring us to repentance. That's what God commands and demands of us. So yeah, let's keep reading. So we know who wrote this letter. We know that this letter is authoritative because Paul says that he's an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. So it's not the will of man. It's not Paul choosing to be an apostle. No, it was given by God himself. This role was given by God himself. And then we know who this letter is for. This letter is for the saints. Now, which saints? This is where context is key. Yes, we can apply this letter to all of us who believe and are Christians, uh, but the immediate context, it says here, to the saints who are in Ephesus. So Ephesus is this place. Um, 
where there's many believers there who gather, but not only in just one church. There's many churches in Ephesus. And actually, later in Ephesians, Paul states that this letter is to be read not only to the church in Ephesus, but also to uh, the church in Laodicea or Laodicea. So this letter is to be circulated amongst the brothers and sisters in that area. So, yes, this letter can be applied to us, but the immediate context is that this letter was written for them, which is why uh, the title of it, it says, The Letter of Paul to the Ephesians, right? But we know that this letter was to be circulated because of the idea that it was to be read not only in Ephesus, but also in Laodicea. Let's keep reading. And it says, And are faithful in Christ Jesus. Notice it doesn't say to the saints who are in Ephesus who are faithful in Christ Jesus. No. Because that has to, that would give the idea that all of those who are faithful are in Christ and those who are not are not and that would mean because we are still in the flesh and when we fall we fall out and in of Christ and out of Christ and in of Christ and that's not the idea that Paul wants to give that's why um, it is stated to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus so the word faithful there actually can be translated as the believing ones Right, So they had acknowledged Jesus Christ as their only Lord and Savior. So that's what faithful means. It's not the idea that these are the faithful ones, right? Meaning that they um, mustered enough obedience to be in Christ and remain in Christ. No, we know that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, right? We know that we are justified by our faith. That's what it says in Romans 5. So faithful here, who are faithful in Christ Jesus, the faithful here uh, translates to the believing ones. Who are the believing ones? Well, all of those who have acknowledged Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That means us. We would identify as the faithful ones or the faithful in Christ. But just understand that distinction, that understanding, that difference, right? Let's keep reading. And it says, are faithful in Christ. So all of those who are in Christ are the faithful ones or the believing ones. So Christ Jesus is vitally important in the gospel. It's vitally important to understand if you are a believer or not. Are you in Christ? Um, And that is really big for us to understand. Big to know that. Christ Jesus is the only way to the Father. Christ Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life, right? None of us will be able to get to the Father, get to God, apart from Christ. Verse 2. It says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, we get here, grace to you and peace from God, right? So, Grace and peace is like a very condensed, short gospel. First, there's grace we receive 
the grace of God, then we get peace from God upon receiving this grace from God. So that is uh, in contrast that grace and peace go hand in hand, but there is one that comes before the other. Um, and grace actually is a Greek word. Um, and it was a, uh, was a characteristically Greek word. And the Jews actually used the word peace, which is shalom. They would greet each other with shalom, which means peace. But this is a peace that comes from God. Well, the Jews, they're saying shalom, but they're not... They have not received the grace of God. Or let's say there's people there that have not received the grace of God, and yet they are speaking peace upon you, right? But do they really have peace apart from Christ? We are to receive the grace first from God, right? Later in Ephesians 4, by grace you have been saved through faith. So... By this grace, we are saved. Once we are saved, we are saved from God's wrath, God's anger on us, meaning now we have peace, not his anger. So this grace um, comes first. And what Paul is doing is bringing the two together, grace to you and peace from God. So he's bringing grace and peace together and saying the source of all of this comes from God. And not only God our Father, but it says God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, I love John MacArthur and his ministry, Grace to You. Um, and I think this is where he gets that from. Uh, it says Grace to You. It's a salutation uh, to the believers. Grace to You. How many of us greet each other with that? How many of us greet each other who believe with grace to you and peace from God. We don't necessarily speak like that, but that is a very beautiful salutation. That's a very beautiful hello. Um, and it's also a reminder who or where we identify with, right? But yeah, let's, let, let's continue. And it's, he says, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So... Paul doesn't hesitate to join these two together, saying that this is where the grace comes from, this is where the peace from comes from, God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Paul makes a distinction that these are two different people, persons, but they are both honored equally. Right, So not one is higher than the other, but this actually shows that both the Father and the Son are worthy of the same kind of praise. Jesus is God. And no highly exalted angelic being would be able to receive this kind of honor. There's angels that says, don't bow down to me, I am not God. Jesus instead of correcting the people bowing down in front of him, he receives uh, the worship that, that is given to him. 
And even in Revelation, there's many portions where Jesus is receiving a really, really high kind of worship. And this kind of worship is only given to God. Jesus is God. And here, Paul is not hesitant into saying that grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, let's also talk about Lord Jesus Christ, right? The full title of our Savior is Lord Jesus Christ. That's his title. And as Lord, he basically is our master. He's our commander. He's our head. So he commands us and tells us what to do and we obey. That is is what it means for him to be Lord. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So, Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, right? He is master. He has right over all of us. He is Jesus. That means that he's the savior of our sins. Right in Matthew, it tells us, you shall call his or his name shall be Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So that is what Jesus means. And now we get Christ, Lord Jesus Christ. And as Christ, he is divinely anointed. He is seated on his throne. And because of that, he is prophet, he is priest, and he is king. So, it's crazy to unravel this title of Christ, Lord Jesus Christ, and really see what each word means. And that's why this kind of inductive study um, is important to uh, do. This kind of exposition of God's word is important uh, to do because... We might overlook something like Lord Jesus Christ because we say it so much that it just, it's, it might sound like whatever. Like, yeah, we know. But do we really know what that means to call him Lord? Do we really know what it means when we call him Jesus? Do we really know what it means when we say he is the Christ, the Messiah? So these are things to note. These are things to ponder on, I would say reread this passage and pray to God and ask God to reveal himself to you through his, through this passage and really ask the Holy Spirit that he may give you understanding of his word. Um, but yeah, this is Follow Me to Heaven with Jonathan Romero.